For Thomas Matters Radio, this is Mark Collier. Today on the show, we have Tyler Owen. Tyler is the former now candidate for Campbell County Commissioner District Number 1. He is also very well versed and spoken in uh, analyzing the results from from every election, but of course his election, uh, he has delved into every precinct data imaginable in Campbell County. There are 68 of those. So we're going to look at the numbers and try to determine what happened. Sponsor is Omega Processing Solutions, located in the heart of Fort Thomas. Omega Processing Solutions is a premium provider of electronic payments, processing, and data delivery. We use them every day at Living Magazines. Omega Processing Solutions, unsurpassed value, unmatched support. Next up on the show, Tyler Owen. So we are with Tyler Owen. Uh, Tyler ran for County Commissioner District 1 uh, this past May. He had a primary, uh, four-way primary with Brian Painter, who won. He was the incumbent. Dave Fisher from Fort Thomas and Lloyd Rogers. So that was a four-way primary. What we're going to do is, is kind of just dissect a little bit, Tyler, and we're going to talk about your race, particularly what you learned. But I know from our conversations that you you div, you dive deep into these numbers. Uh, you look at it precinct by precinct. So I think you have some good uh, thoughts and analysis on the overall primary, what happened, why, what was the turnout, and, and specifically what happened in Fort Thomas. So Tyler, uh, is this your third podcast that you've done with me, or, or second? Second. Okay. So Tyler, uh, we we kind of talked about your candidacy. Um, I think back in around March, February, something like that. Got a lot of really positive feedback on that. So I want to start there. From the last time that we talked to now, we've had that primary. What have you learned uh, as now a first time um, candidate uh, being through this process? I guess the thing I learned the most, I mean, I hadn't started door to door when we first sat down and I started door to door canvassing shortly after, uh, that still carries the most weight. I truly believe in a local election that going door to door, meeting voters, distributing literature, that matters a lot, but that can't be all of it. Uh, we saw in my race, we saw person purchase a billboard. We saw a person uh, hit probably 8,000 doors with door hangers uh, over a short period of time. Uh, and then we saw the person who did neither of those things win. So there's a lot that goes into a campaign and there's a basically a lot of different ways to get there and how, and each person in my race took a different tact and each one of them had their successes in their own ways. So you, your strategy was to, to knock, to, to talk to voters. Um, and, and there was essentially four different strategies here. The one that won, uh, Brian Painter, um, did not buy a billboard, did not put out 8,000 door hangers, did not knock. Uh, what does that tell you about, um, I guess, politics as a whole, local politics? Well, to be honest, I mean, and this is not to take away from any candidate, but name recognition plays a huge factor. And, and that's probably the predominant when it comes to my race. 
you look at it and name recognition played a huge factor. And you can take that in, in whatever way you'd like with, is that signs or is that just, I've seen this name on the ballot so many times, or uh, I know this person or I know their family. But like you said, Mr. Painter had probably the lowest number of signs uh, overall, uh, probably had the lowest number of doors knocked, uh, but two-time incumbent. People know him. People in the South End especially know him. Uh, he's, he's not, there's nothing that really someone will say, I don't like Brian Painter. He doesn't have this large negative name recognition because he's done a stable job his past two terms. Take also his second place uh, in my race was Dave Fisher, who, I mean, built a subdivision, has a street named after him, is well-liked in Fort Thomas, that name carried. Uh, and he did his, he was the one who went to 8,000 doors and made sure that he left a door hanger on every one that said, Dave Fisher, this is who I am. And that's why name recognition carried both of them to high vote totals. I mean, so let's talk about the, the vote totals. And, and this is sort of how it came down. Uh, Brian Painter, I don't have percentages in front of me, so, so you may you may uh, be able to fill me in. So Brian Painter won. Dave Fisher came in second. Lloyd Rogers was third. And then you you finished up. So give me the percentages. Uh, so Brian Painter won at what? 35% followed by Dave Fisher at 29, Lloyd Rogers at 26, and I'm at 10. And that, that's all rounded to the biggest number. So let's start with the most painful part, if you don't mind. No. Um, so you're, you're the, the youngest uh, in that field. Um, you are probably not necessarily the newest uh, to the political, um, Campbell County political scene because... Uh, you know, you've been around campaigns and you know how to run them. You you know, and this is why you've been on the podcast now twice, and this is why we talk regularly. You know what's happening behind the scenes. So I don't want to say that you're the newest to the scene, but g give me your analysis on why you feel like, you know, you came in at, at that last slot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, name recognition we already talked about plays right in there with age that I've only been on this earth for 29 years and my opponents, most of them had 20. Mr. Rogers had significantly longer than that. And that's just part of it. Uh, more lifetime connections for them. That's definitely plays into it. Mr. Fisher being from Fort Thomas and actually living close. I mean, I grew up on Rossmore, which is only like three blocks uh, away from where Mr. Fisher lives now, I lost the precinct that I grew up in, and that hurt, um, but I get why. Uh, you can look at the numbers where Mr. Fisher did really well, like over 50% in Fort Thomas in a certain precinct. I got like 10%, but when I doubled that, when I got to 20 or 25% in a certain precinct, uh, Mr. Fisher dropped down closer to 40 not saying I cost Mr. Fisher the election or anything like that. My votes, I only got 576. It really wouldn't have been enough at the end of the day to uh, change things. But he, we definitely had an effect on one another. A minimal one, but we certainly did have one in Fort Thomas. So <clears throat> I want to talk, you know, broad strokes now um, and, and how 
the, the votes came in during election night. I was down at the fiscal court chambers. Um, I think, and that's generally where I, where I hang out in 2016. I think you and I spent yep. some time down there together. You were working on a campaign and I was reporting. Um, so when the, when the numbers started going, coming in, you could see that Dave Fisher got out to a big lead. And generally throughout the, how many precincts are there? Six, 68. 68 precincts. Uh, the ones that report first are, of course, the ones that are closest to the fiscal court chambers. That's where Jim Lurson's office is. So uh, the precinct captains will bring their vo uh, vote totals down. They will get verified down in Newport. So the ones that are closest to Newport are the ones that come in first. Uh, so the northern part of the county comes in large for Dave Fisher. Um, Dave Fisher wins. Did he win every precinct in Fort Thomas? Yes. Dave Fisher wins every precinct in Fort Thomas, uh, gets out to a, a large lead. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not able to really look at the numbers and analyze them on the spot because I'm trying to report. I'm trying to, you know, set up cameras. Uh, we had a live stream going. My apps weren't working. Uh, there was a lot of things going on. So I'm, I'm, I'm uh, a casual observer. I'm not watching and, and trying to analyze but I, I'm looking at these numbers and I'm thinking Dave Fisher is, is probably gonna win um, then you know the night uh, evolves a little bit southern end of the party uh, part of the the county comes in large for Brian Painter he overtakes um, Dave Fisher Jeff Bessaker does essentially the same thing in the district 2 race over Pete Garrett so Pete did not have as large a lead as, as Dave had over Brian, but same type of thing. The, the southern end of the county seemed to favor, uh, in large numbers, Brian Painter and Jeff Bessaker. Your thoughts on those two races? So I'm sitting there with my uh, friends and family, and 30 precincts are showing. I'm, I'm at my mom's, and 30 out of the 68 are reporting. This is that time of the night you were talking about. And Brian is down like 400 to 500 votes to uh, Pete, excuse me, <laughs> to Dave. And a lot of people are thinking, oh, Dave can actually do this. He can pull it off. I look at my family at that point. I'm at right at 10%. And I say, I'm going to lose. I'm going to finish fourth. But Brian is going to have a huge surge in the South and he's going to win. And at that point, Jeff is down 200 votes. And that one, here, here's a precinct I just pulled out of here. This is Jeff's uh, home precinct, uh, Jeff Besker's home precinct of Grant Slick. He got 226 to Mr. Gerding, Jerry Gerding's 39 votes and Pete Garrett's 42 votes. So give a percentage of that sometimes. Yeah, that's 70, 74% rounded. Um, and then that had Brian... At 45%, the next closest, and this is important, was Mr. Rogers at 31%, followed with Mr. Fisher all the way down at 17%, and I'm sitting at 7 So he gets, Brian rides this huge wave. This is just an example of that, crushing Mr. Fisher out in the south, and that that's, that's the ball game. And like I said, he had a, Mr. Painter had a huge deficit coming out of that, 30 out of 68 precincts reporting and goes on to beat Mr. Fisher by 6%. That's a huge wave out in the South. And 
looking at the other races, obviously Mr. Bessaker, who won his by 12 points over Mr. Garrett, he rode an even larger wave. And to an extent, the other race we haven't really talked about yet is uh, Judge Executive Steve Pendry and Anna Zincon. And what didn't happen is that, yes, Anna Zincon did ride a certain bump out in the county uh, at the farther we got, but he was able, Mr. Pendry was able to temper some of that. For example, Alexandria, Mr. Pendry won 510 to 470, so almost 51 to 49%, but that's all he needed to do was maintain the huge lead he had coming out of Fort Thomas. So I, I want to talk about that briefly, um, the, the judge executive race. There were some, you know, the District 1 race is sort of an anomaly because there was four in there. It's very difficult to try to handicap that. Um, now that we sort of have the numbers, it makes a little bit more sense. Um, District 2, kind of the same deal. You know, you got a three-way race there. Um, but, you know, I look at the District 3 race, which is Tom Lampy and Jim Livers, and then the judge executive race uh, is a two-way race as well, uh, as you mentioned, between Steve Pendry and Anna Zincon. Um, Tom Lampy rolled uh, to, you know, it's got to be close to 80%. I'm not sure about that. It was right there, and it was 90% in most places in Fort Thomas. So why... I mean, was was Anna Zincon that much a better candidate than Jim Livers? Why was that uh, that spread um, marginally different between the District Three race and the Judge Executive race? No, oh, absolutely. Uh, Anna had a huge following, but well, she had a large following up here in the North End. It wasn't as big as Mr. Pendry's, but she did. She was able to garner a lot of support. What she had that Mr. Livers didn't was a, a, a colossal following. Like, I'll pull out that Grand Slick again. Uh, Anna was at 58% to Steve's 42%. And in the District 3 commissioner's race, so in Grand Slick, miles and miles and miles away from where Mr. Lampy lives, he still won 71% to 29% over Mr. Livers. Mr. Livers couldn't get that southern bump because he's from Bellevue and that's where he's from and and he wasn't able to get that separation anywhere near there. He won, I think, one precinct in Newport and one precinct in Melbourne, two places where voter turnout was low. So he was never able to garner any momentum over Mr. Lampy in an individual location like Anna was against Steve in places like Camp Springs and Grant Slick. Give the percentage uh, again of that judge executive race. And then Tyler, do you have uh, the number of precincts one? Do you have that number? Okay, so give give the overall percentage uh, again for judge executive. Judge executive was 55% to 45% uh, Mr. Pendry over Ms. Zincon. And so do you remember back to uh, when Steve Pendry um, had, had his primary against Kevin Sell the last couple of times? Do you remember, is that roughly that same amount of spread? No. I, I remember two, two times ago it was close. Yes. Two times ago, it was close. It was only like 100 votes or so. Last time, that's about, we're sitting at about what it was last time. Uh, Mr. Sell had a disappointing second run compared to where he was so close the first time, came back, and it was about this uh, 
somewhere between seven and 10%. And we're sitting at 10% this time. So we're not seeing a whole lot of change. And I bet if you broke down the precincts, compared them to 2014 and 2018, you'd see a lot of the same rural, urban, suburban divide in terms of what Mr. Sell got and what Ms. Zincon got. So overall, broad strokes, you've got Pendry uh, coming out of the primary, uh, you've got Painter, and you've got Lampy. Um, In in District 2, the incumbent, Charlie Coleman, of course, didn't run. We can talk about that later down the road. Um, but, but essentially you have the same, uh, makeup, um, coming out of the primaries as you do, um, currently sitting on fiscal court. Now there's going to be some contested races in the general. I don't, again, I I don't want to talk about that in this podcast, but what does that tell you about, um, I guess, overall feelings of this fiscal court? Are people happy with this fiscal court? I'd say with the vote totals and the turnout that we saw, I would say that, a large contingent is content with our fiscal court, but I wouldn't say they're enthused. Uh, I look at this voter turnout and I can't say that there was anyone that people were excited to come vote for, that there was this, uh, this rallying point or rallying candidate. But you look at the numbers, it's a solid mandate for, uh, for the current sitting uh, fiscal court members. Uh, especially I draw back to Alexandria where Mr. Pendry lost a lot of in 2014 and 2010 to Mr. Sell and comes back and wins Alexandria this time. It was close, but he won it. He won it in an area where surrounding that Ms. Zincon was strong. Uh, he got a wide array of support. Mr. Painter, even though he lost in Fort Thomas, he got second or third a lot of the time, uh, it was usually either me or Mr. Painter getting second in Fort Thomas, and that's saying that a lot of people came out and voted for him. Uh, Mr. Lampy, I just told you, got 70% in Grant's Lick, a place where he shouldn't, quote unquote, be popular, and he got that support. So yes, there is a, a large swath, of, especially of that Republican Party, voting for the Republican incumbents. Uh, that's just the way we sit right now. Voter turnout overall wasn't great. No. You have the percentage of that? I think I don't have it marked down, but it was right at 14%. So Fort Thomas uh, generally, you know, turns out. I mean, that's that's the conventional thinking is that if you can win Fort Thomas, you, you generally are sitting a little bit pretty. Now, in the last couple of elections, we've had this uh, massive southern wave. Um, Fort Thomas didn't turn out exceptionally well. Um, I, I believe that they were below... Uh, that that overall mark, um, I, if I'm guessing, and this is a total guess right now, I think we're at about 10% turnout. Yeah. Those are rough numbers, but you're absolutely <laughs> right that uh, based off those rough numbers, Fort Thomas was hovering right around 10%, 11%, and overall the county, I believe, was hovering right around 14%. Why? Well, I would tell you that the big thing we saw in 2014 when Fort Thomas it was quite the opposite. Fort Thomas had a much higher average than the rest of the county. And you had, in the primary especially, you had Mr. Jansen was challenging at that time to be sheriff and beat incumbent Jeff Kidwell in the 2014 primary. Got a lot of people out of Fort Thomas to come vote for him. Uh, Mr. Pendry had a strong and considered at the time a strong challenger with Mr. Sell. And then you had Mr. Lampy 
had wasn't on the primary ballot, but he was running. He was getting people energized. Um, we had a lot of Fort Thomas excitement through candidates this time around. Mr. Lampy doesn't have who's considered a strong challenger, and he dispatches him with ease. You have uh, no sheriff's race, which means that Mr. Jansen, who runs amazing campaigns and gets a lot of people out, is not campaigning. So you're left to people in contested primaries and really strong contested primaries being Steve Pendry and Dave Fisher. My, in my district, the one I ran in, like you said, just craziness. It, it, it really not, not being a mano a mano two-person race, you don't have a whole lot of that excitement, that rallying behind one candidate. And then with Pendry versus Incon, I mean, we could have a full podcast just on those theories. Pendry's been in office now for oh, close to two decades. And he still is considered, obviously, doing a good job by the populace that continues to vote him in. However, this may be his ceiling, 55, 56% of the vote just after serving for nearly two decades. Uh, you don't get as much as that new, that new blood, newcomer excitement that he did in 98 when he was starting to roll. Uh, there's a lot to be said about that. Also, I think people uh, definitely uh, took for granted the support that Anna Zincon was going to get out of the South End, and that changed some things, and that didn't get a whole lot of Fort Thomas people to vote because they thought uh, Mr. Pendry's going to win easy. And he didn't. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, that was a comfortable margin, but it wasn't what some people thought was going to happen. So what is, what's next? Uh, I, I do want to set the stage a little bit for the general. So uh, District 1 will be a contested race, a three-way contested race. So you have Brian Painter as the Republican. You have an independent in Dave Gadouli, and then a Democrat in Connie Grubbs. Uh, we just did a podcast with Connie. Um, in District 2, that one is set. Uh, Jeff Bessaker will, uh, is your, your uh, commissioner-elect. And then uh, same deal um, in, in District 3 with, with Tom Lampy. Tom Lampy is your commissioner-elect. Judge executive is, a, is going to be a three-way race. Um, so that will be the, the marquee ticket on, on the general side. You have Steve, Steve Pendry coming out of the Republican uh, primary. You have an independent, uh, which is, is going to be very, very interesting to, to see. Uh, current commissioner Charlie Coleman has switched his party affiliation from Republican to independent. So he will be uh, challenging Steve Pendry. And then on the Democratic side, you have Calvin Seidel um, will will fill out that that ticket. Brief thoughts on that. I know that that is a lot of information, but um, I just want to get your, your brief thought, thoughts on that. And the county races, before we dive into those, they're going to feel a direct effect from the fact that we have two house races with uh, Mr. Shragi, Bob Shragi, challenging Dennis Keene in the 67th, and then we have Democrat Jason Kilmer challenging Fort Thomas resident and longtime representative Joe Fisher. Yep. Not to mention Will Schroeder, Senator Will Schroeder is getting a challenge from Democrat Rachel Roberts. So those are the three big races, and they will have a profound effect on what the county races look like. Uh, we saw so much straight ticket voting in the past in 2014, 2016 as well. Um, what will that look like? Will people, will the teacher pension crisis 
debate change people over to the Democratic side when it comes to the House race and the uh, Senate, state Senate race? Will that affect how much support Connie Grubbs gets in the District 1 race? Will yeah, Mr. Seidel be able to ride some of that as well? Mr. Coleman in the judge executive race can only hope that straight ticket voting disappears and that people are left to choosing the three of them without considering party. That that straight ticket that they just don't punch R and they vote for Steve or they punch D and vote for Calvin. Mr. Gadoli has to hope for the same, and I, I think you're going to you're going to see at least, I think, fifteen or twenty percent for the independents. I, I think that it's going to be a contentious race because of them. And how the rest of it shakes out is going to be where does straight ticket voting go? Uh Will it be, will it come out in large support or will one person vote for a Republican but choose Rachel Roberts as their state Senate vote? Or will someone vote for Connie Grubbs and then choose Will Schroeder as their state Senator vote? It's going to be really interesting and I think those overriding races mean so much. They mean so much. And uh, we've seen this quote unquote blue wave hit in parts of Kentucky as well, especially in Bullitt County. There was a there was a flip there in a special election. We saw on a Republican primary, the state house party leader, Jonathan Schell, lost in a primary to a teacher. That's going to mean something. How much it means up here in this Republican stronghold, I don't know. I, I significantly don't know. And we just saw sort of that challenging Republican fringe, the one that is representative of Charlie Coleman and Dave Gadouli and all that. We saw them get beat back by the quote-unquote establishment in the primary. All things to consider, here's what I know. It's going to be wild. It, it don't, don't think for a second that things are just going to stay the way they are because that's the way they've always been. Things are going to be wild. I think they're going to be wild. I, I, everything that you said, I think, has some truth to it. Um, the, the overwhelming thing that I, I just think, you know, how, how difficult is that going to be to overcome? I think the main thing is party affiliation and straight, straight ticket vote, voting. Um, you're going to have to really, really, really energize and then educate um, you know, a large contingent to, to not make that easy party vote because uh, as a percentage I think it's you know at least 35 percent 30 to 35 percent will go in there and and mark straight ticket um there 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 is very um especially on a county-wide level uh you're just used to doing that there are some proponents that want to get rid of that that voting mechanism in, in its entirety but it's there and it's a hard thing to overcome for independence. At 2014, you saw in the last countywide uh, fiscal court election cycle. Now, before I, I'll preface that with, we also had a U.S. Senate race at that time too. But uh, 6,000 straight ticket Republican votes, 3,000 straight ticket Democrat votes. Uh, if those numbers hold, it's going to be very difficult for a Democrat to win. That's why I think it's the state house and how much energy has been brought into that discussion with the state senate and the uh, state representative races. 
I think that's where you're going to see the, the decisions about this race made. And, and two candidates from, from, the, from the Democratic side, the state Senate candidate and then the state uh, House re- representative in Rachel Roberts and Jason Kilmer, no jokes. Um, they, you know, they are well-spoken. They have good teams. Um, it, uh, it's a strategy that I think the Campbell County Democratic Party has been intentional about, um, whereas they used to, you know, fill out a candidate in every single race, uh, primary or general. It, it feels like that strategy has changed a little bit uh, and where they've gone after, you know, uh, quality uh, candidates. And they and they have a quality slate this time. Yes, they do. Uh, last time around, you're absolutely right. We were voting on, in 2014, we were voting on everything from clerk to sheriff to, I mean, they found someone for every spot. A lot went unchallenged this time around, but they, the Democrats are rallying and finding a lot of support for Connie Grubbs, for Jason Kilmer, obviously for Dennis Keene, who's the incumbent in the 67th, and for Rachel Roberts. Uh, four candidates. I don't think I'm forgetting any of the ones that we'll be voting for. Um, and, and you're seeing a lot of energy around them. How much truly support they get at the end, I don't know. But you're seeing a lot of Democratic energy get around them, and it's going to be interesting. So I know that that you looked at all the precinct data. Um, You're probably in a very small minority of people that do that, but I, I know that you that you understand and that you analyze the numbers. So looking at the 68 precincts throughout Campbell County, to you, what which precinct was the most interesting? Well, first I'll give a shout out to uh, Bellevue B because that's the only precinct I won. So thank you to the 20 people who came out and voted there. Um, but also Cold Spring C, uh, and that's the Cold Spring Firehouse. It's right there on 27, covers a lot of like uh, – that new subdivision by the Cracker Barrel, that a lot of that bleeds into Cold Spring C. And that shows you, that's what, Steve Pendry won 72 to Anna Zincon 68. We saw... 72 to 68. 72 to 68. So we're seeing 50, almost 50-50 in Cold Spring C. So 72 votes to 68. 72 votes to 68 votes. Okay. Yeah, I don't have the percentages for this precinct. But Mr. Painter had 53 votes, Mr. Fisher had 44 what I'm saying is this showed pretty much what ended up be the overall totals. It would shake out percentage wise to be equal to the overall. So Cold Spring C is the mean. Yes. But the funny thing is you look at Cold Spring overall and as wins by almost a hundred votes, Mr. Rogers comes out and beats both Mr. Fisher and Mr. Painter in Cold Spring overall and Mr. Bessaker just barely beats Mr. Girding by six votes in Cold Spring overall. That's because in Cold Spring B, we saw Mr. Rogers win by over 20 votes to Mr. Painter and Mr. Fisher. We had Mr. Girding get the highest vote total with 63. And the huge one, Anna Zincon nearly doubles up Mr. Pendry 101 to 52 in vote total in Cold Spring B. 
And to me, those two precincts and what it means for the overall city of Cold Spring, Cold Spring B being back at Klein Elementary, back near Madonna, back near a certain site that people are talking about for a drug treatment center, and then all the way up to Cold Spring C, it's like they're worlds apart. And, and that to me is very interesting and what that means for the general and who comes out to vote for judge executive or district one commissioner. It's going to be a real interesting dynamic to follow along with those two precincts. So I, what I want you to do now is just sort of wrap up uh, judge executive through county commissioner one, two, and three in a sentence or two uh, as succinctly as you can and tell me what happened in that race and why. So we'll start with uh, Judge Executive, uh, Steve Pendry and Anna Zancon. Steve Pendry holds, uh, holds his position in all classical sense of the word hold. He doesn't dominate, he, he, but he doesn't barely win. He holds it. Uh, County Commiss Commissioner District 1, that's a four-way race. You are in that race. Sum that one up. The Wild West... But what is expected, the incumbent winning, happens. Mr. Fisher pushes hard, but the incumbent holds off all challengers. District 2 is a three-way race with Jeff Bessaker coming out on top, Pete Garrett, and Jerry Girding. Jerry Girding shows some significant support with getting almost 25% of the vote for that sort of the fringe right that you'll see in the general but Mr. Besker rides the Southern wave uh, to trump what support Mr. Garrett and Mr. Girding had in the North End. And Besker, uh, from, the, from the one to the three spread, beats Jerry Girding by 20 percentage points. Yes, sir. So, And then County Commissioner District 3, that's Tom Lampy and Jim Livers. Uh, Mr. Lampy uh, cruised throughout the night, got nearly 90% in a lot of places in Fort Thomas, but that carried out... Throughout the county, he got his lowest points were probably in places that had significant voter turnout, 70%. I mean, he cruised throughout the night, and he sort of got his own mandate. Same kind of deal. We didn't talk any any about this, but the jailer, there was a contested primary there, Jim Daly and um, Chris Maloney. Uh, same kind of played out the exact same way as District 3 uh, has a mandate, one big. Not yeah. a lot to talk about there. Yeah, he won, Mr. Maloney won a couple precincts or maybe just one in his hometown in Newport, but otherwise it was pretty much 80 20 the entire night. Tyler Owen is uh, now a former uh, county commissioner candidate. Uh, big things on the horizon for you. You are dressed in your Bishop Roster. Mustangs basketball polo. What do you got going on today? Oh, I, I got to go down to Maysville today for the second day of the Mason County uh, team camp. So I'll be getting on a bus from Maysville uh, to finish out this week. And then next week, it's uh, off to finish off the summer season before dead period with a uh, trip to Lexington. Don't you know it's, it's baseball season still? We got the birds in the semifinal on Friday with a possible, with a definite rematch of McCracken County and then a possible uh, final against St. X or, or, you know, probably St. X. But I mean, we can go back and just delete all the stuff about politics and talk baseball for a half hour because watching Drew Rahm, Mr. Baseball, congratulations to him, uh, throw it against McCracken County who run rule. Well, we don't Campbell know that, that, that Drew Rahm's going to throw tonight. I think coach Bione's going to keep that a little bit secret, man. Uh, we could debate that for a half hour. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, may want to save him 
for a championship game. But I'll tell you, McCracken County run ruled Campbell County. You've got to throw and whatever decision he makes. I, I trust in, in Coach Bione. He's been around long enough and has a lot of success. He's going to make the right calls. But man, it's going to be a tough one tomorrow night. Well, and. and- Funny thing about McCracken County is sort of a new school. I, they're down, I think, in the maybe Paducah area. They are. They're uh, the merger of uh, several schools Pine, in Western Kentucky. Lone Oak or Pine. Yes, sir. Uh, I don't want no disrespect to McCracken County or Paducah, but um, you know they they've been around for not that long. They've been to five straight state tournaments, three straight semifinals. Highlands beat them in 2015 in, in the first round when they were the overwhelming favorite. So a lot of storylines. Uh, that are going to happen. I know Fort Thomas and, and the baseball community, are they're fired up about uh, the game on Friday and the potential for, for the final on Saturday. I, I mean, the pitching staff that Highlands brings into this, but, it, but really the overall team, when you take it from Dreves and Cavanaugh to Gully, I mean, they're a great group and they're fun to watch. I've seen them several times this year in some great games, especially uh, the series they've had with Beachwood this year. And they're an electric group. It's not just Drew Rahm. Uh, they have an incredible pitching staff all the way down, and they have some electric bats. Uh, it, it's going to be fun to watch. See, and this is why you are a, a FTM radio podcast Hall of Famer, because you can pivot so seamlessly from Campbell County politics to high school baseball. That's why Tyler Owen is uh, the greatest. So, Tyler, thanks for being on the show. Um, you can always check back on 4 Thomas Matters. Dot com for thomasmatters.podbean.com or subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for Thomas Matters. Tyler, thanks for being on the show. That was a handshake. You didn't see that because this is radio. Thanks so much.